0: everyone. My name is Maria Thomas, and I work for Allianz Research, the global team of economists, strategists, sector advisors, and foresight experts of the Allianz Group, led by Ludovic Subban. Welcome to Tomorrow, a podcast where we'll be talking about our latest analyses of economic and capital market developments, as well as our views on trends affecting risk management. Let's get started. The ongoing cost-of-living crisis has exacerbated social risk globally and further widened the gap between advanced economies and emerging markets. In this episode, we speak to Senior Economist Manfred Stammer to learn more about the results of the latest Social Resilience Index. Hello Manfred, welcome to the podcast. Hello Maria. So can you explain for our listeners what the Social Resilience Index measures and how you calculate it?
1: Uh, sure. Our social resilience index combines 12 indicators uh, that measure basically economic and social vulnerabilities for 185 countries, so most all countries in the world. It aims to identify underlying strengths and weaknesses, but also the perceptions of a country's political, <laughs> institutional, and social frameworks. About eight of the 12 indicators are rather structural in nature, For example, uh, long-term capital growth, income inequality, or a level of perceived corruption. Uh, These indicators usually do not change abruptly, but rather gradually over time. And so they reflect um, longer-term trends in social risk or resilience. The other third of the indicators is more cyclical in nature. Um, For example, imports of food and fuel in percent of GDP or currency depreciation or appreciation. Such indicators can reflect uh, the immediate impact of events of social resilience uh, or on social resilience. Such events could, for example, be rising or falling costs of living, changing financing costs, or uh, simply the reactivity of governments to crisis. Crucially, uh, I would say our index does not measure the number or the scale of unrest, riots, etc. in the past. It rather measures general vulnerability <clears throat> to social risk events in the future. And events that could be game changers with regard to politics and policy makers but also regarding business and investment decisions.
0: Okay, so what does this year's edition tell us about global systemic social risk?
1: On a global level, uh, systemic social risk has further increased over the last two years. But let's have a quick look back. Um, We published our first edition in spring 2020 when the COVID-19 pandemic was just unfolding. And we realized that the global systemic social risk or resilience risk had declined in the five years from 2015 to 2020. Mm -hmm. One and a half years later, at the end of 2021, we published our second edition and found that global social risk had increased during the pandemic. But more precisely in detail, uh, if you look at clusters of countries, uh, social risk had still declined in advanced economies. It had remained stable in emerging Europe, but it had increased in all other emerging market regions. And in principle, this was understandable, as governments in many emerging markets did not respond appropriately or sufficiently to mitigate the health and economic impacts of the pandemic on the people. Now, in uh, this year's edition, that suggests that global systemic social risk has risen once again over the past two years. This period was clearly uh, marked by the war in Ukraine and its impact on the rest of the world. Not only the people in Europe, but all regions and most countries have been affected by rising energy and food prices in the wake of the war.
0: Were there any surprising results in this year's edition?
1: Uh, Yes, there were, but first of all, I can mention that there were no surprises at the top and the bottom end of our social risk or resilience ranking. Nordic countries and Switzerland remained at the top in terms of resilience, with Denmark defending its first rank for the second time in a row. And at the bottom end, you'll continue to find many African countries, plus some dysfunctional economies from other regions for example, Syria or Venezuela. Then, uh, not a real surprise, but noteworthy is the trend reversal to rising social risk in advanced economies this time. And regarding emerging market reasons, I wanted to note that some of you may be surprised that social resilience remains stable in emerging Europe as a whole, the whole region. But this region is because this region is geographically very close to the war, Ukraine would probably have expected an increase in social risk here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Some of you may also be have been surprised that Latin America is the only region that saw a decline in social risk over the past two years. But the most striking surprise this time was, at least for me, the significant increase in, in uh, social risk in emerging Asia as this region was um, presumably least affected by the war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the region as a whole fell behind the Middle East and Latin America in terms of social resilience.
0: So what is driving these global and regional trends?
1: In a nutshell, we can say that the cost of living crisis has been the most important reason for the rise in social risk this time. hmm Especially net food and fuel importing countries have seen rising import inflation, then uh, that came to economic downturns and rising unemployment, and often this was combined with uh, weakening currencies. And advanced economies, as said, were not spared from these developments, which explains the rise in social risk in these countries this time around. Uh, Likewise, the the EU member states in Eastern Europe saw an increase in social risk for the same reasons. Um, But in contrast, many of the Commonwealth of Independent States saw a decline in social risk as their economies uh, benefited from the Western sanctions against Russia. They became more important partners in trade and with Russia and trade transport routes for Russia. Uh, Lastly, Turkey also improved um, so that emerging Europe, the region as a whole, remained stable with regard to social resilience. Looking at Latin America, this region suffered the most in terms of rising social risk during the pandemic. But uh, many countries there are large commodity exporters and these have now benefited from rising commodity prices in the last two years so that uh, social risk overall in this region has somewhat declined. Lastly, uh, the sharp rise in systemic social risk in emerging Asia was triggered by the cost-of-living crisis, which was there exacerbated by significant currency depreciation. And the latter was a result of comparatively mild monetary tightening in the region, decreasing bond yields and net capital outflows. Uh, And also the export demand shock from weakening global growth played a role in Asia, which is traditionally a global trade hub.
0: Okay. And so as we head into a packed election year in 2024, what should policymakers keep in mind to build social
1: resilience? Well, first, for those countries that still have fiscal space left after the already strong stimulus measures during the pandemic... A strong fiscal response is, of course, a possibility to build or regain social resilience now. But, of course, we know many countries, especially emerging markets, do not have this fiscal space anymore. They spend already a lot during the pandemic. Second, uh, employment policies uh, will have an increasing role to shield against higher social risk. Uh, This is important particularly important because the current rise of artificial intelligence could further reduce social resilience by increasing job losses. And hence, governments should reinforce responsive regulatory measures that uh, preserve jobs. A third thing could be that governments should also promote gender and income inequality in order to build social resilience. Then, in countries that are highly dependent on food imports, policymakers should focus on food security and not shy away from using fiscal resources for achieving this. And lastly, boosting civic participation is a good idea, as it will reduce social risk. We conclude this because top countries in our social resilience ranking all have high levels of civic participation.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Manfred. Welcome. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the full report we just spoke about on our website. We'll leave a link in the show notes. If you'd like to discover more of our research, you can also follow the Ludonomics newsletter on LinkedIn. We'll leave a link down below for that too. If you like the podcast, please send it to any of your friends who might like it too, and leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode.